everybody. This is episode 241 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. Uh, joining you as we record this on a Monday evening, kind of like a noisy, stormy afternoon. Are, are you guys holding up okay? Uh, Paul, kids get scared or anything like uh, that? We don't really get scared, but uh, we, we did end up in the basement for a little bit. Sirens went off and... Uh... Once they're down here, they, they try and take advantage of the normal no basement rules. And uh, I, uh, my beer fridge is down here, but there's also like Capri Sun and Gatorade in there. And they're always <laughs> like, uh, I'm thirsty. Can I have something out of the fridge? Like, uh, no, um, you cannot do that. <laughs> Knock it. We'll only be down here for a few minutes. Knock it off. Uh, but everybody's alive, so it's all good. Yeah, I made it through Chicago. I was in Indianapolis yesterday. For those of you that were following on Twitter, I went and saw Goose in Indianapolis. And that was the first time I'd seen them. And it was very worth the uh, five hours each way to do that. But uh, I made it through Chicago by the time the uh, the rain started. So that was nice that I I'd, I'd, was back in Milwaukee by the time we really nice got work. hammered. So that was good. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, some, some wicked winds. Like Madison got... Uh, mm-hmm blown apart pretty pretty good at least on the east side and it is a crazy afternoon at work for me and I, I got home late and we're hopping on to do this now so uh i'm dead and by the end of this <laughs> podcast we'll see how if my brain's leaking out of my ears or whatever but uh, uh at least uh we have a win to talk about which is like the first time that's <laughs> happened in a week plus i i i shudder to think of what the tone of this podcast would be if they did not hold on to win on sunday night in in washington but i think we can all say we're relieved to finally have seen that come through uh just all the little things that had gone wrong seemed to go right on sunday and all is right in the world again maybe hopefully we'll see uh you have to think that it made for a lot better uh sunday night at the clubs in new york city when they got there oh yeah like that had to have been (laughs) <laughs> much, much better for everybody's mood to be able to head to New York and and hit the town with uh with that win under their belt. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Definitely need an off day too after after that kind of stretch to kind of clear the clear the heads a little bit. And, yeah, I don't I don't think any of us thought that the the eighteen and seventeen would hurt them quite as much as it did. Uh, but I mean, if we're looking at sort of the downside of what can happen on that, just everybody getting hurt, them getting exhausted. It pretty much when it when it ended, we were kind of like that was the best that we could really be expected to have, and then it kind of just went downhill from there with injuries and attrition. So um, mm-hmm. uh, something to remember next time this happens, since it happens one more time, yeah. that uh, we're not really sort of out of danger until we're clear of the thing for a little while and everybody gets a little rest under their belt. Yeah, yeah. it's like that one off day was was clearly not enough to kind of yeah. make up for that. Right? No, it like, was there not. Was, there was plenty of hangover effect after that. And um, frankly, if, if they didn't kind of luck into a, a win against San Diego in the start of that series, we'd be talking about a much longer losing streak. And uh, yeah, things would not look even as good as they are now. So uh, yeah, plenty of talk about with that. Obviously, when the team goes on an eight-game losing streak, we we get plenty of questions from people wondering what the hell is going <laughs> on. So we will tackle all of those questions in a minute here. But Before we get started in earnest, a reminder, if you'd like to help support us, keep this podcast going, you can become a patron. That's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for as little as two bucks a month. And that will get you question priority on all of the podcasts on the network. Definitely comes in handy in situations like these where (laughs) you make sure your question gets answered. Five bucks a month, we should say, also gets you that question priority plus extra subscriber exclusive content um other podcasts including the minor league extra with ryan and james anderson from rotowire they did record a new episode last week uh dealing all things jackson churio and and other minor league goings on is that right ryan yeah we spent the first 20 plus minutes talking about churio and we kind (laughs) of hit it from all angles and yeah it's uh he just continues to rake and it's hard to uh to not put the brakes on like he, i i'm trying to put the brakes on and actually james sort of admonished me for it and was like you know what i think we just need to kind of enjoy this and just it, take the take the fact that he is having this tremendous breakout and it's for you know the brewers and be happy about that and not try to look for all the the negative things because i was going like well his strikeout rate is higher than most of these guys that we're comparing him to 
even though you know he's been better than them in this time. So the, like the strikeout rate is like, yeah, that's true, but it's also not out of line. It's not like a, a crazy bad strikeout rate, and just enjoy it. So, yep, it is. Uh, it is quickly turning into uh, the summer of Cheerio here, and that is. Uh, <laughs> it's wild to that. watch. I've, we've as a Brewer fan and a prospect watcher, I've literally been waiting for this. Like the one true breakout prospect, like true superstar uh, trajectory prospect. Been waiting for this for, you know, I don't know, since Ryan Braun. Yeah, like, pretty much. Like it's been sort of that long. And also specifically waiting for it from a Latin American guy who you signed and kind of broke out of not necessarily nowhere, but like had this kind of trajectory where you weren't necessarily expecting it. And because you saw it with Acuna, you saw it with soda, you saw it with these guys that you didn't necessarily, nobody expected it from them. So you wonder why can't this happen for the brewers and it for all. And you know, it seems to be happening for the brewers right now. You just cross your fingers and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Hope they don't break them in the next couple of years. Like they've broken every other prospect, right? <laughs> See, this is the buzzkill thing that James was telling me not to be. Now you're being a buzzkill. So, like, we need to just not be buzzkills about this stuff because he he seems for all the world like he is on that path. All right. Well, yeah, I guess if you want to hear some optimistic Brewers talk, go sign up and become a patron for five bucks a month and uh, listen to that podcast. That seems worth it at this point. uh, well spent five dollars for your own brewer's mental health. So yep. uh, go check that out. As you, got, well. you got two last week, so well worth your time. Exactly. Yeah. Paul also uh, did a, a baseball mini pod, the rarely seen baseball mini pod, yes. to kind of further rail against machine learning and the um, inventure Apple broadcast uh, crappy odds or whatever you even want to call them uh, on the bro- <laughs> on the broadcast. There. That was also uh, definitely a good listen, Paul. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I do. I deal with machine learning and AI a, a lot in my profession, and so I have a lot to say about that. If you didn't hear it, it's worth checking out, especially given that apparently one of Google's AI gained sentience this week. So, especially topical. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, good. Uh, Another thing okay. for me to worry Great. about. Thanks, Paul. Great. Appreciate no it. <laughs> I, I, for one, welcome the new robot overlords. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh, get this over with and talk about the Brewers losing streak, shall we? Uh, so it ran up to eight in a row. Uh, I believe the last time that happened, I guess if you're into that kind of thing, was actually 2018. And the Brewers ended up winning the division that year. Although um, that'll come with the asterisk of it took a ridiculous September to kind of make that happen after that. But uh, hey, we'll we'll roll with that. And hopefully the same result happens this year. Although as we record this on Monday night, the Brewers entered the week a uh, half game behind the Cardinals now in the division. Um, as we started this, the Pirates had a 5 nothing lead on the Cardinals, and it is now 5-5 to in the same inning. So uh, that's <laughs> going about as well as expected. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, lots of questions about the eight-game losing streak and, and all that. So I'm just going to rattle off a few here to, to kind of set the tone, shall we? So we've got Adam Post saying, hopefully this question will no longer be relevant, but will the Brewers ever win again? (laughs) Uh, Jay Google asking, do we need a live chicken? And Jake Prohaska asking, has anyone caught a foul ball or something that we can blow up as a sacrifice? So uh, I do need to point out that that didn't work. So like the Brewers, (laughs) the Brewers did lose in four games in the division series to Atlanta after we burned that ball. So like. That that isn't going to be happening again because it clearly didn't work. So that uh, that is not the answer to any well, question. It kept being the asked. Cardinals out of the playoffs. So I mean, I'll take that for that what it's worth. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So a lot of these questions uh, kind of obviously coming in Saturday <laughs> night before the Brewers won on Sunday. But woof. I mean, Paul, you kind of mentioned was this kind of just like a hangover effect here from that eighteen and seventeen stretch, or just bad luck, or all of the above. Um, I think it, there's obviously bad luck whenever you have one of these stretches, but it's hard to blame this one entirely on bad luck because they only got their win based on incredible good luck. Um, I, I think it really showed sort of their lack of depth on offense more than anything else. And I mean, their pitching is taking it on the chin too. I feel like they've held up their end of the bargain a little bit better despite missing Woodruff and Peralta. Um, but, uh, I think we all know that this is not a great offense. I mean, it's better than it's been for the last week and a half, two weeks. 
Um, but it's been really tested by having many, many, many players on the IL. And it, th- their win was really fueled by guys coming back, uh, Willie Adamas in particular. Um, so uh, I think it's something to watch because I, we've said all year, like they can weather some pitching uh, problems. Like they, we'll, I'm sure, talk about that a lot later. And I think they've kind of weathered them so far. But on offense, there's not a lot there. And if they're missing any of their decent players, it's just a bad lineup. It's a Sunday special every day of the week. And it it just is depressing to watch when those guys are out there because you're not sure they're going to get a hit, let alone score a run. So that's what we saw. It was, I think, lack of depth on offense. And um, I'd say kind of a signal that maybe they should go and try and fix that and maybe get at least one more bat in the not-too-distant future. I would anyway. So that actually brings me to our next Patreon question, Ryan, before um, we we get to you. Chris Richards asking, sort of similar to what Paul was asking, is the recent stretch just a blip brought on by that confluence of a spate of injuries and the Brewers schedule, or maybe evidence that the 2022 Brewers aren't who many expected them to be? So I guess does this stretch here kind of cause you to doubt the way the team was built, sort of like what Paul was saying? No, I mean, I think that... Anytime you have as many injuries stack up together as they had on offense, where they were playing for four or five games there, where they were down, what, four or five of their best six or seven hitters? Yep. So anytime you have that, you're basically, like Paul said, you're just running a Sunday special lineup out there all the time. And they don't have that one, like, talismanic player that we, you know, had hoped Christian Yelich was going to be turning back into, and that's not happened, uh, to kind of carry the load in that situation because that's kind of what you need. And since they didn't have that, then things just get kind of brutal and stack that against the fact that their pitching was taking a kind of a beating at this time too. And then it's, it's, it is also just a, a situation where everything that can go wrong does go wrong. You have Eric Lauer and, uh, Aaron Ashby turning their worst starts of the year on consecutive days, right? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And then you have, well, before that, Josh Hader blow his first save of the year in a very, you know, Josh Hader blowing a save sort of way. He gave up some solo homers when yeah. their location was just bad and whatever. Like it, that's when Josh Hader blows a save. That's what it looks like. Like we're we're mm-hmm. familiar with that appearance, and there's nothing to get particularly worried about, as was demonstrated by the fact that he seriously carved up the Nats, at least yeah. what it sounded like on the radio. Uh, on on Sunday afternoon. So there's nothing to worry about from that perspective. And I'm going to quote Jack Stern here from Twitter and say that we need to not ever judge a team at their worst the way that we don't judge a team at their best and make grand sweeping pronouncements about this team is either great or terrible just based on like what they are at their very best or worst because basically almost all teams, except for the truly wretched, are going to have a very hot run at some point during a season and all teams except for the truly truly magical are going to have a pretty bad run at some time, at some point and even then like the cubs had a was a 30 game stretch where they were like 12 and 18 when they won like 100 plus games and won the world series in 2016 like that season was magical everything went right and they still had a really bad month you know so you kind of have to just accept that it's a baseball season. There's going to be ups and downs. And there were plenty of reasons to point to when you look at this, as Chris laid out here, that, you know, the spate of injuries, the schedule, the fact that they played so many road games, like all of those things together kind of stacked up to be just the perfect kind of load of crap. And it, you know, resulted in eight straight losses. And I think this team has the talent to be able to rebound from that. They're going to have to get hot to offset this at some point again. I think that that's going to be necessary, but they should be able to do that as long as the injuries don't continue to stack up. And that's always the caveat, but that's, that's the caveat for any team. No team can truly survive, you know, just having all their good players get hurt. It's just not going to work for any team. Yep, It's true. Yeah, I guess it could be worse too, right? Because uh, remember, the Phillies lost what twelve games in a row before they fired Joe <laughs> Girardi, and the and the Angels lost like fourteen in a row. So you know, um, and then the Phillies went and turned around and won something like seven or eight in a row, including sweeping the Brewers. So hey, mm-hmm. uh, like 
like you were kind of saying too, the the hot stretches can sometimes follow up those cold stretches that pretty quickly. So uh, here's to hoping with any luck, the Brewers go out and they sweep the Mets in New York, right? So there, there's that could always happen. It's yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, any Possible. non-sweep, <laughs> and I'll be pretty happy with it at this point. So yeah. like, yep, go win that first yeah. game, and then you know the pressure kind of comes off a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, I guess uh, speaking of managers on the hot seat, it, it's kind of rare that we saw a manager get fired midseason. I guess it hadn't happened since like 2018 or some mm-hmm. crazy long stretch like that. That kind of surprised me. Uh, and then we had like two can in a week. Uh, the, the Joe's Girardi and, and Joe Madden. So I guess naturally when the Brewers went on their own crazy long losing streak, it kind of brings up some questions, whether it's on, you know, local sports talk radio or <laughs> on our Patreon. Um, but mostly local sports talk radio. Yes. God, yes. please tell me this wasn't actually happening. I don't know if it's a thing. I don't listen to that stuff. But uh, <laughs> sorry, Bart. But uh, MC Sham. <laughs> I don't know that Bart listens, but maybe. Eh, whatever. I, I know him, so it- it's fine. Uh, MC Sham, though, asking... Uh, on Patreon sounds unthinkable, but council on the hot seat question mark. If not now, what would it take for a manager switch for the record? I love council. So I do think, you know, it's sort of natural to kind of think this way, especially, you know, when you see it happen around the league the last couple of weeks or so, it's only natural for some fans to start to have their minds wander to that. But um, I guess kind of have to understand, too, that Craig Council with the Brewers is sort of a very special situation, right, Paul? Like, he was clearly handpicked by the front office, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon, no matter how bad it gets. No, he's not. Um, he, he, I, there's probably not, a, maybe not any manager with a longer rope than Council has. And um, I think that they I, they understand that he will probably never be the reason they lose. That's the main thing. Like if council ends up leaving the team, it'll probably be hired for somebody who pays him more, possibly following the GM out the door, but that's kind of it. Um, I think it would take like a drastic, it would take something along the lines of kind of what happened to Joe Madden over time, but times a hundred, like Joe Madden used to be one of, or at least allegedly one of the most progressive managers out there. Now he's not, um, not adjusting with the times, but it's hard to imagine council not adjusting with the times or the times changing that much uh, compared to what happened since Joe Madden was at his peak. Um, council is tied into the front office. It's one of the reasons that makes him a good manager and, and listens to the Brewers analytics department. Um, when managers get fired for failing, it's usually because they're out there on their own with their own responsibilities a little bit more and um, shooting from the gut a little bit, and that's just not going to happen with him. So it would take, I think, just a colossal disaster, a, a falling out in the front office, council going rogue, something like that, something pretty drastic. I mean, if they lost, if they had losing seasons for like five seasons in a row and prospects just kept bombing out, that's kind of what it would take. But other than that, I think he's just going to be here for a while and everything else is just talk radio nonsense. So I think I've mentioned this on here before. Honestly, the most likely way I could see him leaving, say, before retiring at 70, having won a World Series and you know, basically being uh, ushered into the Hall of Fame and all of that. <laughs> the only the only other scenario I could see is him leaving because he's burned out because that man wears it like you yeah. watch him. Yeah, yeah, he is living and dying with every game. And even though he's not making dumb, reactive moves, he's not doing the things that you would go. That's a manager who's panicking. You can just see in his face that every game, even the wins, wear on the man. And so I would not be surprised if he had, you know, major burnout and one of those situations where a coach walked away because they just they they couldn't do it anymore. They just needed a break. Um, Other than that, I think like Craig Council's here as long as he wants to be. I I mean, I would have a hard time believing that he would ever get to the point where Joe Madden has, because I don't believe for one second that like with Joe Madden, it seems pretty clear now that he was riding the coattails of some brilliant front offices and was using some things that they were giving him to appear smarter and more uh, with it than he truly was. Whereas I don't think that's true at all with council. I think that he is very in tune with what is going on and is doing these things, not because 
it's like the thing he's supposed to do, but because it's the thing that is most likely to win them the game, which he understands. And so I, I don't think he is going anywhere. And it, I think you're putting it as like, he has the longest leash of any manager. It, it's yeah. almost impossible to see him being fired unless something truly weird happened behind the scenes. I don't completely discount it. Like it, like it would be impossible for there to be some sort of mutiny or something. But last we heard, what was it? Cold Wong wanted to run through a wall for him. So yeah, like exactly. I I don't think there's any issues that way either with like there being some sort of mutiny of the players or whatever. I think it's just it, he is going to be here for a very long while, uh, or basically as long as he wants to be. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of talked last week about Adonacio's guys, so to speak, right? With Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich, and I feel like Craig Council is probably in that echelon too, right? Like, mm-hmm. short of Mark Adonacio saying, "Okay, we need to do something," like, and I, I don't see that happening. And for me, I guess the scenario I could see playing out where he is no longer the manager of the Brewers is uh, where he moves up to a front office role, right? Like, say. Uh, David Ferns leaves and Matt Arnold gets promoted and they have somebody like council take over a GM role, you know, like that's probably within the realm of possibility too. Right. Yeah. And it's switching sports here, but think about what happened with the Celtics and Brad Stevens. Like that's pretty much the exact situation we're talking about. Right. Was he basically didn't want to do the day-to-day grind of being the, the coach anymore and wanted to move to back up to the front office with sort of an understanding that the door for him to become coach again at some point down the road, that could very well happen still yeah. for him in a way that I think Brett Auerbach did that, didn't he? For like decades, he would bounce between being the coach and the GM and kind of bounce back and forth. And he was in the organization for decades, but in kind of some different roles. So I could I could see that with counsel too. Yeah, I but long and short of it is, yeah, it, no on-field performance issues probably going to chase him from that role unless, like Paul said, it's a consistent pattern of like the, gee, why do none of our hitting prospects ever pan out kind of thing? And it uh, kind of gets tagged on him. But, yeah. you know, I feel like we all kind of feel like eh, maybe it's more of an institutional issue in that regard uh, rather than something you would pin on on the coaching staff specifically. Um, All right. Next uh, Patreon question on under the, uh, what does this all mean category here comes from Steve DeRozier asking, uh, will the recent losing streak and accompanying team performance cast enough doubt in Brewers leadership to impact how aggressively they pursue buying before the trade deadline? So um, I guess, Paul, this is kind of interesting because you you were mentioning, you know, obviously maybe this exposes some clear needs, but do you think that kind of maybe quells any motivation to do so if it's pretty clear they're not an upper echelon team? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a secret that they, they need a bat. And I think that um, I think what this losing streak probably did more than anything was um, expose a real vulnerability about the playoffs. Um, uh, the Brewers are probably too smart for this, but um, uh, I think we were all very, very optimistic on their odds of winning the division and making the playoffs. And, you know, they ended up temporarily, at least, hopefully, out of a playoff spot. Uh, and yes, uh, we shouldn't judge them at their worst, but, um, you know, it's not like being ravaged by injuries in baseball is that weird and their inability to like even squeak out like two runs to make their pitching stand up over that losing streak was pretty bad. So um, I I think if nothing else, they should light a little fire to get some more offensive pop just for insurance on making that offense stand up and being able to weather maybe not quite this bad of a run of injuries, but you know, there'll be it'll be another one. There'll be another instance this season where a couple guys are, that are important are missing, and they can't go in the tank for it. So, um, it, it, I'm sure it at least upped the possibility for that. I'm sure that it's now a more a, a more major focus going into the trade deadline, um, and maybe they're doing their due diligence a little harder than they were before. And I'll, I'll be a little surprised if they don't add something on the offensive side. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I will point out that 
even with this losing streak, even with as bad as things have been, and the fact that, like you said, the Brewers fell out of the first place in the NL Central for the first time in quite a while here. All that being said, Pakota still has the Brewers at 80.7% to make the playoffs, 66% to win the division, 14.6% to get a wild card spot. Flipping over to uh, the Zips odds over on Fangraphs, and it's basically the same story 61.7% to win the division, um, 11% to win the wild card for 72% overall to make the playoffs. So they're still very favored to make the playoffs and favored to win the division. You know, almost two thirds chance in both of these things, two out of three chance to win the division in both cases. So I think that we need to keep that in mind and keep that perspective that the Brewers are still the favorites here. They're still like the team that has the best shot. Now, some of that can change obviously with, with injuries or with changing the roster, as you mentioned, uh, I do think that it, this will probably change their priorities a little bit, especially we haven't talked about Brandon Woodruff yet, but knowing that that's more in flux now than it was or that it seemed to be like a week ago, that they probably are looking harder at starting pitching on the market right now than they had been before and because yeah. they really didn't need it. Yep. So that their focus may have changed a little bit, but still, I mean, basically – their needs are still their needs. They need a center fielder. Like they, they really need a center fielder. And that ha- the, the outlook on that certainly hasn't changed because they aren't there. <laughs> Those guys don't exist. So it, it definitely just, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that you're going to see them still make moves at the deadline. I guess that the, the one thing that really could change that is if, this Woodruff thing turned into some sort of a long-term issue and more pitching went down. If they really started to lose more starters, I could see that sort of changing their outlook and deciding, okay, this is not going to be a year we're going to push to go for it. We're going to uh, sort of hold our resources a little bit, maybe play some younger guys down the stretch a little bit and see where we're headed for next year because they still have, you know, basically two more years with this core intact. Josh Hader sort of aside because he's only got one year. Yeah. After this. But I mean, like this situation with Brent, Brendan Woodruff also shows you can't bank on, say, Corbin Burns being totally healthy for two years or Freddie Peralta coming back from it. You know, like we don't exactly know what the window is. And no I, pitching gets hurt. And, and that's the story. Right. So mm-hmm. I guess on the topic of Brendan Woodruff, uh, I guess if there's good news on the injury front, you know, we saw Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro, Omar Omar Narvaez, Luis Urias all come back from injury, although Urias uh, had to leave on Sunday again. So we'll see what happens with that. Colton Wong's hammy's acting up uh, and he's back on the injured list. So again, that infield depth being tested, but uh, the Brandon Woodruff thing is, is the more concerning thing, right? As you, you kind of mentioned, uh, aside from the ankle injury, we found out he has Raynaud syndrome, Raynaud's which uh, sucks. <laughs> uh, if you've ever been in uh, Wisconsin in the winter and you have Raynaud's, you can tell how, how badly it sucks. Uh, it's basically it affects the, ex- the circulation in your fingers and toes. If you don't know what that is, you notice his fingers were cold when he, he uh, was trying to throw a bullpen and it was like 80 degrees that day. And he's like, huh, that's weird. That shouldn't be happening. Uh, so they got him some medication. He's feeling a little bit better now, but, uh, obviously leads to issues trying to throw your breaking stuff, right, Paul, when you can't feel your fingertips. Yeah. Uh, you really need those. You need to be able to put pressure on a baseball. And, um, this is just a really weird, random injury. The Brewers seem to have far too often. Um, and it is, it does seem to be treatable, fortunately, and hopefully he'll be okay in a bit, but, uh, uh, I had to learn about it and um, circulation issues. <laughs> never, never great. Uh, I hope you didn't go to WebMD, Paul, because Brandon yeah, Woodruff really? said, don't go to WebMD because that'll scare you. Yeah, so. it will. Well, <laughs> it's I mean, either Raynaud's or it's finger cancer. So aside, aside from, uh, I mean, any circulation issue is bad. It just is by its nature and um, almost always requires some kind of medication to fix, often long term. So, um, on the, on the plus side, he'll probably be okay and probably pitch pretty soon. 
But um, I hate weird injuries more than any other injuries. I hated Ryan Braun's stupid frozen thumb thing. <laughs> um, yep. That, that's, that, that sucked. I hate punching walls. I hate salad tongs. Salad I hate, tongs. I hate yeah. luggage. Um, tearing and, uh, uh, phone books. Tearing yeah. phone books. All bad. Um, so I don't like to have another one of those. It's, uh, it's ridiculous and unfair. And, uh, but not much to say about it. Should be okay. Hopefully it's not more serious. And ho- hopefully it doesn't linger or pop up randomly. Um, but uh, it probably won't. So that's good. Could be. I, I, don't, I guess it could be worse. Could be a lot better yeah. though too. Yeah. I was gonna say this seems like something we'd make fun of the Mets for having, but yeah, as you just illustrated there, the Brewers have their own long illustrious history with weird, freaky injuries like this. Uh, Ryan, I guess, are you worried long term about him now, or not really? I mean, yes, you you have to be when something like this pops up until <laughs> yes, you do. It, like it, it, this is a problem we didn't really know existed before this, and now we know it exists, and we know that he has a propensity for this problem. So you worry that it's going to crop up at bad times. How likely that is now that they know and they apparently can get him on medication. And he said he was feeling a lot better within you know a couple of days on the medication. So yeah. like that all seems to be tracking positively, but it just adds another thing out there that you have to you know, worry about with one of the most important pieces for this group of players, for this team that has been put together. You, you can't have Brandon Woodruff be out for an extended period of time and hope to have this team like achieve its highest end though i say that and instantly i think ronald acuna jr went out for the season and then the braves won the world series so what the hell do i know what the hell does anybody know like (laughs) any any stupid shit can happen it's baseball like you just don't know how how things are going to shake out so but yeah it it's not great you'd rather not have it happen all things considered yeah yeah it's like I guess hindsight being 2020, it really explains his really crappy start in Chicago to start the year, right? He literally couldn't feel his fingers uh, if, if he was going through that at the time. So <laughs> I guess doesn't uh, inspire a lot of hope if they play like a cold October game or something. But uh, hey, he's getting treated for it and hopefully it's fine going forward. Well, we have a roof, Andy. Yeah, yeah, we do have a roof, as we as we mentioned, and they're going to L.A. anyway, so it'll be fine. We're fine. Uh, All right. Other Patreon questions. Let's get another one from Jay Google asking sort of along these lines here. What's a bigger issue right now? The pitchers as a whole or the hitters? Woody and his fingers. Hauser struggling relief pitching issues or just hitters in general. So, Paul, what sucks the most right now? Uh, It's tough call because they're down to starting pitchers. But I think my answer will just always be the offense and uh they they seem to have bounced back, so they might be good. They got people back, um, but uh, I, I think that that's just what you worry about. If they if they lose another pitcher, or Woodruff doesn't come back, or Hader blows like ten saves in a row, we can change it then. But for now, it's still just their, their ability to consistently put offense up. It, it's just the problem, and they really um, struggle with it unless they're completely totally healthy, which they haven't been in quite some time. So it's going to be that, barring a total pitching collapse. Um, that's 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 what I got there. Well, let's first take this because I'm going to say it's the pitching and it's okay. because the pitching was what needed to carry this team. The pitching is what is expected to be really, really good. And being without right now for the foreseeable future, two of your best three starters and like two of your best four overall pitchers is really problematic for a team that was built on run prevention. So with with having no clarity on what's happening with Freddie Peralta at all, expecting at best, we're maybe going to see him for the stretch run. Maybe. Fingers crossed if everything goes right, if everything goes as best as it possibly can, we'll see him in like September, right? Yeah. Is probably sort of a best case scenario. And with Woodruff, with all this question, like maybe he does get past this and he's back in, you know, later this weekend things are fine though it does sound like there's going to have to be a rehab start because he's going to have to it sounds like he's going to have to kind of learn to pitch with whatever this is and learn to deal with it and so that concerns you too because if there's some sort of lingering effect to this and he can't figure out how to grip his breaking pitches then that's going to be a big fat problem for him being an effective ace even if he's back in pitching if he's not you know, if he's not at his best with those with the breaking stuff, then you you're, you've got a problem there too. So, I think that you know, and and just 
generally we've seen Eric Lauer be bad. Like there was some bad luck this week in terms of, of what was it Friday? The the Nats were just dinking and dunking the ball all over the yard, and it was kind of obnoxious. But they have thirteen hits off of Aaron yeah. Ashby, and eleven of them were were singles. And the one like one was a legit home run where they tanked it, but like the triple that they had off of him was like eighty two miles an hour off the bat and just blooped down the the line. So that was annoying. But Eric Lauer got lit up on Saturday, like legit got lit up. He gave up a huge amount of hard contact. So you don't like to see that. That's somewhat concerning because we've kind of been waiting for when's the Lauer correction coming because he can't really be this good. Can he can't be like a top five pitcher in baseball, which is basically what he had been since those starts in Colorado last summer. So he had been almost a full year of being one of the best pitchers in baseball. And it didn't seem like he was that good. So you knew there had to be a correction. And that was one hell of a bucket of cold water that got thrown by the Nats of all people. So you don't like to see that. And then just the the bullpen depth has really been kind of tested and pushed. You still have Williams and Hayter at the end. But getting to that point, I mean, I guess Boxberger is okay, but. Yeah, he is. He's fine. He's fine, but I don't. I still don't trust him. I, I was waiting, really waiting on Sunday. I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna get lit here, isn't he? Like he has to. This is going to happen. And then he w- was quick one, two, three, and it was no problem and whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but he, there's there's some pitching depth issues right now that you worry about, and they're gonna have to kind of work around that. And granted, those are things that they can fix on the trade market. And they've been very adept at doing mm-hmm. that. I'm sure they have. A ton of names that they've given to uh, to the to the top guys in the front office. The analytics staff has a ton of names in mind, people they want to target, who they think they can get more out of than what the, you know, is currently being gotten out of them, because that's what they always do, and it nearly always works. Your random, uh, who is the lefty who's now with Chicago aside last year? Daniel Norris. Uh, Your random yes. Daniel Norris is aside. That like, didn't work out. No. John Curtis didn't work out because his arm exploded right away, too. Yeah. So right. last year was kind of a blip in that. But yeah, it's like an annual occurrence. You know they're going to trade for a reliever, so I'm not terribly concerned mm-hmm. about that. And especially guys with upside. So they're going to they're gonna get guys and then pull more out of them than what had been gotten out of them before. So, But yeah, they, they need the pitching and the run prevention to be their their hallmark because that's the way this team was built and they got some questions on that right now so that does concern me yeah i just don't think on offense they threw a bunch of spaghetti and not enough of it stuck uh, and uh, that's a problem too like they need a certain minimum amount of runs scored to make the pitching thing even work in the first place and mm-hmm. uh it's it's quite problematic uh, i mean um I, I know that for a while they were going gangbusters and maybe they will again but just See, seeing Jace Peterson with a sub 300 OBP, not great. And you don't want to be counting on him anyway. And Tyrone Taylor kind of crashing back down to earth a little bit. Not not down to Lorenzo Kane earth, but like normal <laughs> earth. <laughs> Lorenzo Kane, like middle earth. Middle yeah, earth, he's, lower. He's down in middle earth. Like um, you're starting to see some of the guys that were kind of fueling them earlier kind of come back down to, I think, what their normal talent level. Even Rowdy's come down quite a bit since, yeah. you know, we were talking about him like a great first baseman. So, um, they need, I think, a few of the role players to play better, or they need to replace the role players because that's like they're just not getting the minimum production that you need out of guys. Um, it, it, I feel not, I, I don't, don't care about wins on like pitcher wins, um, so I don't care that much, but um, it does kind of remind me of some old Brewer teams where their one good pitcher would go out and not get any support and lose one nothing all the time. It's like a whole team of that. It's annoying, yeah, whole staff of Ben Sheets there, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I. Even on Sunday, they had flashed up some graphic, and I forget who everybody was on it because it was like literally four or five people. But basically, it was the point they were making is the the lineup has always been missing somebody this year, right? Like, uh, basically, mm-hmm. there's only been four games where everybody's been healthy and everything is great. And I think they were like four or no in those games. So they were <laughs> crazy, tiny, small sample size for sure, but just kind of goes to show how. The Brewers have kind of been working shorthanded in that already shorthanded lineup all year long. So I definitely need some depth there as well. And r- like Ryan was saying, with, when the pitching is suddenly not 
uh, you know, totally lights out, that bar raises from like what three get runs a game to like five runs a game to have a realistic shot at winning. And uh, that's how you end up with an eight game losing streak. All right. Uh, next question comes from Mark Podscarby asking regarding the umps getting the interference rule wrong on Friday night. Can't the Brewers play the game in protest? If so, why didn't the Brewers protest the game? So I was not uh, paying close attention to this game, Paul, but uh, I guess what the hell? Um, uh, so I, I have to confess, I also was not on this one. Um, I think I was going somewhere doing something else. However, I can still answer the question because the answer is uh, protesting the game is stupid and it never does anything. <laughs> it accomplishes it nothing. It makes you feel better. Yeah, That's I, what it does. I, the only way that you're ever going to win a protested game in Major League Baseball is if there is a call that is both egregiously wrong and later proves to be influenced by gambling. I think that's kind of it. Um, it like an umpire being on the take is it. Yeah, and that's kind of the point of the protest is is not just like oh he got a call wrong. We don't do that in baseball when the game like there's review for that. There's replay for that. Um, it, it is to investigate something corrupt. It's not just to fix a problem. If it was to fix a problem, like people would protest every Angel Hernandez game, and it doesn't happen because that's <laughs> That's exactly why. So, so that's why it's just a. I know I've seen a few games where they're protested. I remember watching like a Cubs game in 1989 when uh, Don Zimmer did it. And there's the famous Pine Tar game too. Yep, the Pine Tar game. Okay, and maybe maybe the best example of it, a time when it maybe was an okay thing to do because it was a I think a, a rules question that was there, but still you know uh, <laughs> didn't work. Um, but uh, it, it's it's just a thing to to managers. To, to make people feel slightly better. That's kind of it. Yeah, and I think in that Pine Tar game situation, I could be wrong about this, but I think part of the reason that that happened was it was on national TV, and it became such a scandal, and because it, was, it involved the Yankees, and the Yankees getting this call they shouldn't have gotten, yeah, and yeah. George Brett losing his damn mind over it. Like, <laughs> I think there was a confluence of events that caused that time for a game being played under protest for the protest to be upheld. And I don't think that would happen. It, like it would take a similarly weird confluence of events, and that it's just hard to imagine that sort of thing happening. Um, to the specifics of what he's talking about, like it was a bad call, and Council was like clearly fed up with a lot of things. The team's losing. The fact that the umpire was bad, and this wasn't like the first thing that got screwed up either. And so there was council was just fit to be taught and was ready to just like get ejected. And it, it was one of those manager moments, you know, it's part of the deal. They, they all have like their five games a year where they lose their damn mind and they're hoping to spark their team or they're just fed up. And like you, the, the guy goes off and like in this case, the umpires deserved it because they screwed up the call, but it, yeah, ultimately it's not going to actually change the outcome. They're not MLB's not going to go back to that point in the game and say we have to redo everything from that no, point. No, and you know not. what? Frankly, if you were to like give Craig Council truth serum, he would tell you that's the last thing he wants them to do because they're already struggling with you know playing too many innings and trying to cover all the stuff with uh with the pitching staff that they have as as bruised and battered as it is. So yeah, I, I just don't think that you're really there's no point. All right. Next Patreon question comes from Devin Bearwolf. I guess uh, speaking of the uh, prospects that we were talking about earlier and, and the Brewers ruining people. Well, no, that's too harsh. But uh, Mario Feliciano, remember him? Uh, big hotshot prospect a year or two ago, a couple of years ago. Uh, kind of fell off the radar, but Devin's asking... Has he played his way back into the Brewers' immediate this year or next plans with his strong offensive play this year? Uh, Ryan, uh, your take on Mario Feliciano and his bat this year so far? Yeah, I mean, he's been better than he had been. Like, he he really struggled quite a bit last year, and he was dealing with some injuries and just all that stuff. I don't know that he's played himself into their plans so much uh, right now because they seem to have a very high bar for what they're looking for at catcher. And the, uh, Mario Feliciano is still a pretty young player. He's 23 years old. And 
trusting a young catcher to be able to get all that right is difficult because there's so much that is being expected of them. And so I, I don't know. I, I do know enough to say it would be stupid to write Mario Feliciano off. And it, that was that was true last year when he was struggling, too. I said that over and over. It's like catchers take forever. So many of these guys end up turning into something when they're like 28, 29 years old. So you just have to be patient, and it may not be with the Brewers. In fact, it probably likely won't be with the Brewers. That, you know, if he ends up having success, it'll come down the road. But there's sort of a broad enough skill set there that the the possibility is going to exist for a while here that he's going to be a productive big leaguer down the road. It's just the timeline on that is so nebulous, and it's so hard to nail down. So I, it's not a very good answer, but uh, it's – yeah, he he's still in their 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 prospect uh, pipeline, but timeline. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, kind of telling to at least for this year, next year timeline, right? That the the Brewers have kind of gone elsewhere when they've needed an emergency backup catcher too, right? Like they haven't even brought him up for a cup of coffee. So mm-hmm. uh, probably shows that they still think he has plenty to work on whether that's behind the plate managing a game what what have you but um you know yeah it it at least he's hitting well so there's that because he seemed like a total lost cause for a while there he's hitting better than he was it's still like an ops in the low 700s but sure but for for a catcher i guess we'll take Mm -hmm. that yeah um all right next patreon question comes from danny noonan uh, we actually asked this on Twitter, but as Paul said, if we don't mention that Danny's a paying patron, he, he'll throw a hissy fit. So, uh, Paul, this one's One for of you. us will. One of us will. <laughs> uh, top five brewers who share a name with a sitcom star is your brother's question. Paul, okay. who you got? Uh, I don't, I, so I really tried to get five, and I couldn't quite do it. Um, so this is obviously a reference to Jason Alexander, um, who yep. is named has the same name as um, the Seinfeld star. So the the, the obvious other answer is Bob Euchre, who was the star of <laughs> Mr. Belvedere and has the same name as himself. Um, so we, we do have a couple of other contenders, though. Um, we've got uh, not a sitcom, but we've got Jody Reed, who was a brewer briefly. And is also <laughs> an actor in, in uh, actor, quote unquote, in Ice Road Truckers. So there, there's that. Okay. Um, That's a sitcom? <laughs> Uh, like I said, it's not a sitcom because I couldn't no. quite come up with enough sitcoms. It's one of those um, History Channel shows that's not yeah. really like history because they stopped doing history, I don't know, decades ago on the History Channel. So I exactly. guess it's funny in its own way. Sometimes. Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, there is a James Hardy who is an actor who has uh, quite a few um, IMDb credits, uh, some of which are surely sitcoms, although could, couldn't. <laughs> Couldn't say for sure. Um, haven't watched a lot of the stuff on there, but uh, all right. So we'll that. give you JJ, yeah, and then uh, Glenn Braggs, the actual Glenn Braggs, former Brewer outfielder. Well, he he made an appearance on Arliss, which is sort of funny, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I have I have something to add to this. Do you remember when Jeff Supon, JJ Hardy, and Corey Hart did a walk on on? One on of days? the soaps, I think, it was Days. Or, was it Days no, or was it I think, Young I think and the Restless? Bill Hall was there too. Bill Hall was there too. Yeah. Oh, Bill Hall was, was there too. He was Young and the Restless, yeah. And so was Chris Capuano. Yep. Okay. So, like, we had that, and that was in our time as like adult baseball fans. Yes. Yep. Was JJ Hardy on that too? I feel like he got a compliment on it from like an, an no, actual. No, I don't think was it was it Bill on, Hall that got but the compliment. Some... I forget what it was. One I, of I don't the guys, know if he was, it, was, on, it, was it had to be Holler. Oh, it was Holler Hardy because w- like one of the lines in the show was like, "Oh, you're one of the you're one of the best up and coming shortstops in the game." So it was one of those <laughs> two that got that. Yeah. And how did I, it I happen? Because Supon like knew the showrunner or something. Well, it takes place in Genoa City, Wisconsin. So oh yeah. Of course, they're all Brewers fans. It was like, yeah, when they were on a trip to L.A. or something, they just happened to be shooting. So, yeah. But, yeah, uh, Genoa City also. Clearly, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and not the actual Genoa City. And for the record, but... it was it was Chris Capuano, Jeff Supon, Bill Hall, and J.J. Hardy. There we go. Okay. It was four. For some I'm reason, pretty, I only thought it was three. I'm pretty sure Hardy did get the compliment there. Um, yeah. He was, he was, of course, um, quite the desirable fellow among the ladies. Yes. Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> so it may not be a sitcom, but we got our bases covered, so to speak, with yeah. uh, the the TV appearances and in, in the names. So uh, always always good to dig in that, to that. So thank you, Danny. All right, one last Patreon question comes from Adam Post. Uh, ending on a happy note, so I appreciate that. Adam saying uh, on a happier subject, just how excited is Ryan about Liverpool signing Darwin Nunez? Is this another made-up name, Ryan? Darwin? <laughs> Darwin Nunez? No, he is uh, real and he's spectacular to keep in the Seinfeld <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. of things here. Uh, he is a okay. 22-year-old striker who is being brought in uh, on the highest transfer fee that Liverpool's ever paid for a player, and Everybody's ecstatic about it, and it's going to be kind of rough because we know that Liverpool's losing one of their huge talisman up front in Sadio Mane, and Mo Salah, one of the best players in the world, is currently not under contract after next year, and they can't seem to get anything done, so this seems to maybe presage that he's on his way out too, so they're trying to get their their kind of ducks in a row before that happens, but... Darwin Nunez is incredibly talented and uh, seems to be uh, an incredible signing. So I'm super happy about it. And we've been talking all about it. Actually, a, a coworker of mine who is a huge Liverpool fan came up to me and was like, Brewers, 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 because he wanted to find out why they keep losing and like what's going on with that. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need to tell me more about Darwin Nunez because you follow the stuff a lot closer. <laughs> so. Yeah, that uh, that conversation while we were doing uh, graduation practice this week. Right. All right. Well, the real question is, what does this do for Mark Adonacio's chances of buying a soccer team, <laughs> as we covered last week? <laughs> who Who is the name of the guy that uh, you clearly made up last week, Ryan, while Paulo was away? Timu Puki. Timu Puki. He is a oh, real player. You can Google him. He is How real. How does Timu Puki compare to Darwin Nunez? He is, he is not like Storito. He is not a figment of Paul's <laughs> imagination. He's not, a, he's not a soccer player that I actually did make up. That's good. Yeah. So, And I keep waiting for an actual Storito to come through because that would be amazing. <laughs> that would that would be very clutch. All right. Uh, obviously, lots of Twitter questions to get to again. Uh, because of the losing streak and what have you. So we're going to try to go through these kind of quickly, but still good things to talk about. So we got one from Ryan. That's at RyanKing702 on Twitter, saying the Brewers traded for Willie Adamas last year and it sparked the team. Is there a similar trade that can be made to replicate that this year? Ryan, what do you think? Well, so the important thing to know about that is we had no idea that was going to happen at the time. I think when that trade happened, our analysis on this podcast was, Okay, fine. I guess he whatever. I've I've heard that he likes hitting away from the drop more yep. than he likes hitting there. But do we really think it's you know that that's probably not really going to manifest? And then, holy shit! Like he turned out to be like a a secret superstar just waiting underneath the surface. Um. So if this does happen, we probably won't even realize it at the time. We'll be like, Correct. oh, okay, eh, whatever. And then you know, two months later, we'll be all excited about it. So. But those things are rare, even though it did kind of happen twice last year because they also did the same thing with Rowdy Telez, though to a you know a lesser extent. He was not the the impact player that uh, that Adamus was, but he was also very important for them throughout the summer months. So, but yeah, that doesn't generally tend to happen. So you can't. There's a, there's a um, there's a tendency to want to always think that everything that David Stearns touches is going to turn to gold. And that's not quite true. Like, it's going to be generally directionally correct, but it's not going to be literally true that everything he does is magic. Yeah, uh, very important to remember, too. Yep. All right. Uh, Next sort of question comes from Justin Sain, asking, when will the Brewers listen to Paul and make trades when our players' value are at their peak, e.g. Woodruff and Hayter, Paul? (laughs) Uh, Listening to me would get you fired very quickly. And, uh, well... (laughs) It's it's become very clear over Hater's career that they actually kind of need Hater to be what they are. Uh, I mean, they play close games by design, and they need a, a best ever closer to not lose a bunch of those games randomly. I mean, they play above their Pythagorean specifically because of him. He's super valuable. Um, so uh, I think they'll ride him until he dies, probably, or until they see that he's about to and nobody else does. That would be the only other way. Um, but, like, no. Um, I... I've only had Woodruff out there just because I do think he is the 
He's awesome. He's very good when he doesn't have this weird disease that he just developed spontaneously. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. I, I've somewhat injustice because I, I think he's sort of the not quite the best stuff of the big three. One of you know one of those is Freddie, who's now hurt also, um, and he's very high effort. Um, and I would err on the side of trading Woodruff um, before he gets too old. But yeah, don't listen to me on on this at all. I'm very bad at it. Um, football, <laughs> different story. Baseball, don't. Not not to, not good. Not in charge of baseball players for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, a delicate dance that you have to do because you don't want to be the Rays because being the Rays is kind of miserable, right? Like they trade away not guys. Fun. Yeah. They trade away guys like Blake Snell when they've got like three years of control left. And yes, that's probably the right thing to do from a pure like that's the way to keep regenerating and to consistently be good and to manage to compete in that division against, you know, teams that have way more resources than you do. But it also just kind of sucks as a fan. And like a, the, the, the fans are kind of you know miserable by that because they have to constantly give up players that they really like before they would really like to do it. And so I think from the Brewers perspective, like we're not that we're not anywhere near the raise in terms of of being managed that way oh we're sucking yeah (laughs) right like we as a as a franchise have have chosen to be a little bit more uh like we've talked about this in the past that they have generally signed guys to extensions more often than not and it's been the rare player who they have not been able to keep past six years who they developed out of their own farm system it's basically prince fielder and who like I don't like where a guy said no I'm just going to free agency as fast as I possibly can and that's it yeah other than that like the that situation really hasn't come up despite the fact that they've produced you know a pretty reasonable amount of talent under Mark Antonazio's ownership group here so I think that ultimately maybe they could have more success doing that but would we like it as much I don't know it's a it's a difficult balance to try to strike for sure all right, next Twitter question comes from Josh Semro asking, could I have planned a five-day camping trip with minimal phone time any better? Uh, <laughs> Josh, no, I, I I don't think you could have. That yep. uh, definitely uh, lends itself to, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. So, yeah, that, w- that was a good call there. I guess kind of similarly, we've got one from Alex, Alex Seafield14 on Twitter. In your opinion, what's a healthy number of innings to watch per game per year? <laughs> Obviously, it would be it would change closer to the playoffs or when the season starts heating up. But in these dog days of bummer, i.e. a current eight-game losing streak, it seems like less is more. And I guess, you know, I've always been a proponent, proponent of not watching every game every year because that's how you drive yourself crazy. That's why sports talk radio people are miserable all the time. <laughs> uh you know, you need to give yourself the grace to like step away and be like, okay, the Brewers are telling me I can go out and enjoy this lovely Saturday afternoon, and I don't need to sit here and watch this eight to nothing <laughs> blowout, right? Like, I I do think I don't know if I have a number, Paul, but like, it, it, it's okay to walk away and just call it early, right? There's no well, shame yeah. In that. The the real answer is you shouldn't watch baseball. You should have baseball <laughs> on. Those are two yeah. different things. Uh, and you know, it's okay to dial in for. Um, you know, big at bats, ends of games, intense moments and whatnot. But baseball is not meant to be consumed that intensely all the time. It's not what it's designed for. So uh, the answer is really never. You should you should be doing other things or, you know, working on stuff or something and have the game on in the background or be outside on your porch um, having the radio on. That is the proper way to consume baseball. And uh, if you're living and dying with every pitch, which not a lot of people are these days, but if you are, yeah, you're going to be driven crazy by it. Stop that. Don't do it. Just enjoy. Soak it all in and, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, ride through the ups and downs. And, uh, you know, that that's the way to do it. That's why it's the past time that it is. Yeah, there were a few years in the mid-aughts there where I really did that to an unhealthy extent. And it made me miserable. I'm thinking of specifically a camping trip to Mackinac Island in 2007 where I was trying to find ways to listen to the brewers. And it was uh, not no. healthy. It was not good. <laughs> like, should not have been doing that. And it was, that. it was the middle yeah. of the collapse, too. They uh, were, no. It was when, you know, they started so well in 2007, and it looked like everything was coming together. And then the collapse hit, and 
yeah, that was that was not great. And so don't definitely don't do that. I found what I've been doing a lot in and this is recent years. This isn't even just this year. But in the last few weeks, I've noticed myself doing it. I'll leave the game on the TV and then I'll pop music on and I'll put music on so I can still check in. I'll look at the game. And if things that are interesting are happening, then I'll I'll watch the game. But I'll have sure. music on, so I'm I'm actively engaging in something else, which also makes my wife a hell of a lot happier to just have the game on in the background <laughs> and to have music yeah. going as opposed to, though, she could sit and kind of read her books on her phone no matter what is on TV. Like, she has a lot of practice at that, so that's fine. She doesn't really care. But it it is more pleasant for her. She does, she does appreciate it when there's music on, and she'll occasionally say something like, thank you for putting music on instead of listening to the announcers talk. <laughs> so yeah. like there's there's variants here like pulsing switch it up go to the radio sit outside do something else um you know keep yourself busy i'm almost always when i'm watching a baseball game or really any sport except probably soccer because it just requires too much attention but uh usually i'm second screening with twitter open mm -hmm. so or other things you know working on other stuff so Maybe working on a rundown for the the podcast, something like that. Who knows? <laughs> yep. When I watch yeah. the game on TV, I famously do not have the sound on pretty much ever, which is why I don't don't know how to pronounce anyone's names in football or baseball. <laughs> and I recommend you all do the same because, um, aside from having music on being better, um, the way that the broadcast is conducted also impacts how you view things and um, sure. like whether you're getting upset about strike zones or any like stuff like that. It actually matters quite a bit. So. Uh, recommend trying it. It's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I'll even, you know, in in the last year or so, uh, admittedly, you know, moving in with somebody and, and taking their needs into account that factors into this too. But like, I'll watch the game on my phone with the audio off. I'll like sit and have something else on the big TV or something like that. You know, like it, you can kind of just passively watch it. I, I would definitely agree. That's this is the sport to passively watch and you don't need to kind of watch Every single pitch, uh, especially in this era when it, it's a lot of strikeouts and, and <laughs> not a lot of balls in play, you're you're not doing yourself any favors, uh, kind of, you know, making it your sole focus. So, I mean, let's think about this for a second. 162 games in year plus whatever playoffs you have going plus whatever uh, spring training you might watch. Yeah. You're talking about. 600 plus hours of just brewers baseball not including yeah. other stuff you might put on at, at various points just like brewers baseball that's too much there's more baseball than yes. you need and sometimes i think that like people were probably happier <laughs> with baseball and being baseball fans when their primary way of following was like through box scores and then yeah maybe being able to get some radio coverage sometime you know right yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, especially when things are going poorly, give yourself the grace to kind of just, you know, I don't need to watch that tonight. It, this pitching matchup doesn't look great or, you know, I got really upset yesterday. I don't need that in my life right now. Yep. So uh, and that applies to things that aren't the Brewers, too. You know, <laughs> feel free to kind of <laughs> disconnect. I'm saying that as somebody who fully tried to disconnect over a a long memorial day weekend right and, and it was the best thing i could have done so uh please do also do that so all right uh that'll kind of wrap up questions this week as always uh thank you to the patrons who signed up to ask questions and we also give a shout out to patrons on this show as well go to patreon.com slash mke tailgate if you have not signed up already uh ryan it looks like we do have a new patron to give a shout out to this week who do we have uh welcome aboard Corey schmidt and it looks like you signed up for the uh, ball and glove level. So you get to uh, listen to the minor league extra. Hopefully you've already taken advantage of that. Nice. We're able to like, get in there and listen to it. Nice. If not Thanks, happy Corey. Uh, Jackson Churio listening to you, Corey. So uh, thank you for, <laughs> for signing up to that. Uh, even if you're not a patron, as always, we would appreciate it if you leave us a review and rating for this podcast. Another way to show your support for us. As always, as we always say, Paul will literally read anything you write in the review if you give us five stars. Doesn't look like we have anything uh, to do this week. Uh, no nope. B-movie script. Still, still the B-movie script at the top. So, <laughs> so please do uh, go log on there. Give us a review if you bring have it, not already. Bring it around the Seinfeld. 
back to the back to the start. So mm-hmm. there we go. There we go. So uh, go there, leave a review. Uh, definitely helps us out there as well in terms of kind of helping this podcast grow and, and get to more Brewers fans. So uh, something that uh, kind of benefits us all there. And uh, while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button just to make sure you don't miss an episode uh, during the season here, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get us or listen to us you can just hit that follow button there uh so that'll kind of do it for this week as we mentioned a big tough series coming up against the Mets this week we'll see how the brewers do hopefully they don't start a new losing streak while we're at it but no matter what happens we'll be back here next (laughs) week to talk about it on milwaukee's tailgate have a good week everyone